Citizen Podcast. Welcome to Citizen Podcast. This is Carrie Kelly. This is not your normal episode, as these are not normal times. I'm not sure I know what normal is anymore. And maybe that's a good thing. But today I'm checking in with two people I trust and respect about how we are in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic and what we can do. Nicole Cardoza is a wellness leader and founder of Reclamation Ventures, a venture fund dedicated to closing the wellness gap, which has quickly pivoted to providing real-time financial relief to our most vulnerable community members. Ryan Lemire is an artist, design thinker, and founder of Aligned Magazine, which explores the intersection of culture, well-being, and social responsibility. This virus is exposing our inequities, leaving some people more physically and economically vulnerable than others. And in the absence of systems that protect people in times like these, it's up to us to respond. This podcast is raw and unplanned and a window into how we're coping during this crisis and what's possible when we have each other's backs and build systems and a politics of community care. Check it out. So y'all welcome. I'm so happy to be here with you. Um, I'm, I'm sad that we're here under these circumstances, but um, this call is really about community care and I, I can't imagine not having it in community with you all. How are you all taking care of yourselves in this moment before we get into how we take care of the whole? I am trying to go for walks every day and eat three full meals and actually get dressed. So kind of <laughs> going back to the basics, I guess. <laughs> I almost like think, what was I doing before this moment? Right. <laughs> like, why was I wearing well, jeans? Yeah. <laughs> like, did I eat today? Um, mm-hmm. Do I have pants on? <laughs> mm-hmm. Have I brushed my teeth? Like, I'm just, and I work from home. Like, this isn't new for me. And yet here we are. I think we're all used to working either at home or in a remote capacity. Yep. And yet here we all are. Yeah. Yep. It goes to show that context matters, right? Like, you know, even mm. if we're, even if the circumstances are similar, our working conditions are similar, um, mm-hmm. you can't help but feel what's happening outside and around the country and around the world and, and be impacted by it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, um, I think it was in the Atlantic. I was just reading this afternoon that what we need to name right now is grief. And that I think that I think the title was something like, you know, that funny feeling that you have right now, it's called grief. And that really struck me um, because, you know, it is grief. What we're feeling on a personal level for maybe the routine that we used to have, um, what we're feeling on a social level for the suffering that's happening, the grief that we're having for the future, you know, otherwise known as anxiety, um, is, is what it is. And for me, that really, that really clicked me into, into realizing what all of the stirring in my chest has been, you know, it has showed up in a lot of, in a lot of generalized, anxious, panicky ways, 
Um, but naming it as grief feels really powerful in a way that um, is brings it closer to being able to transform it into something else. I really appreciate even like the naming of it because um, I'm like I'm I'm having an experience of deep feelings, <laughs> many feelings um, all day long, and I think some of them are fear. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't think about some of those being grief, um, and I feel like if we don't name what we're feeling, it's it's really hard to navigate our feelings. Um, mm-hmm. And it would make sense, right, that we would have to reckon with grief in this moment, um, and what's being lost. Um, right. And how we're not just in how we're living, but lives will be lost and work will be lost. And, you know, um, and how, if we don't make space to actually feel that, I don't know how, I don't know how we recover. Yeah. And look at it, you know, and sit with it and, and, um, And then eventually maybe love it, you know, that's what I've been trying to work on the past few days is, is to, is to turn that into some form of love, you know, not to bypass it by any means, um, but to really, really look at it. And, and because I've been, I mean, I've been in a kind of anxious spiral in a stupor, you know, um, in, in tears, maybe more days than not Mm. in this whole thing. And, um, and there is a, it's a tremendous amount of energy and there is a potential to transform that, you know, um, but not, not by, by, but not by avoiding it. And, and, and certainly not by, um, by getting stuck in it either, which is really, to be honest, where I'm at. <laughs> You're like, I'm officially stuck in this. Um, yeah. I'm so glad you put a name to that for me because I think I've just been trying to stay as busy as possible to avoid all of my feelings, which is a really healthy habit that I have. And um, I haven't spent that much time naming it or recognizing it or sitting. Um, I've just been trying to take all of this anxious feelings and this the fight and flight that we've talked about earlier and apply it into something. And luckily there's a lot of shit to do right now. Um, But at the same time, um, I need to be in practice with just sitting with myself and sitting with my emotions right now. So thank you. Well, when I think about the the concept of community care, I, I really believe it has to include that piece, right? Like, because community care is about healing and action. And we can't heal what we don't name, right? We can't heal what we don't allow ourselves to feel. Um, and so that does feel like that's part of this conversation is like, what do we need to acknowledge that has been lost? Um, and, and how do we reckon with those feelings as we move forward? Yeah. And Nicole, to what you're saying about, you know, stacking up on work, like I, um, I was listening to Lama Rod speak. He's not even in the States. He's, he's on retreat, I think. Right. Um, (laughs) so he's been speaking from that place, which is really lovely actually, um, to see someone somewhat outside, even though it's global. And he talks a lot about refuge and finding a refuge and like, yeah, work can maybe be a distraction, but I also think for so many, it's a refuge. 
and like there's balance in all things, but, um, you know, one of the things I've been, I've been having to remember is what are my refuges? You know, work is certainly one of them for me. And I want to, I want to, you know, be stepping back more and more and more into that. And so I feel like, yeah, like name it is important, but, you know, to basically kind of like throw the ball back at you. Like, I think that's such an like honorable, like refuge to take up for yourself, you know? Thank you. I do feel most at home when I'm in action, in action, not in inaction. So um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I can have a better balance. Well, we can all, I think, embody, (laughs) right? Like the the wholeness of who we are (laughs) instead of like bypassing different parts of ourselves and um, going where it might feel more familiar. But, But I do feel like, you know, um, I do also feel like there's a need for action in this moment. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's funny because when I look around at how people responding, you know, there are things I see that, um, that give me despair <laughs> and there are things I see that really give me hope. And, and Nicole, like you're, you're doing some of that work that is like righteous work that you're doing. Um, because there is a real need right now, um, for a lot of people and not everyone equally, right? While this virus is impacting everybody, right? While this virus doesn't discriminate systems do, right? And there are some groups that are just much more vulnerable, um, to the impacts of, of not just the infection, but the impacts of, um, of, you know, having to work from home or, or being laid off or having to work on the front line, which these days is a hospital or a grocery store, um, or just being a contract worker. I mean, like, you know, a great percentage of this country works on contract and isn't salaried and doesn't have the benefits, right, that come with that level of employment. And so, um, so I want to actually get into that. I want to talk a little bit about um, what does and I want to hold the sacredness of what we just named as we talk about this, right? Like what does embodying community care look like that allows us to like have our full whole experience that allows us to have our grief and our fear and our, um, and our inquiry, right? And our yearning, but that also allows us to organize effectively so that we can actually be responding, um, to the need right now. And Mia Mingus put this amazing tool out. Um, I believe it's actually from the Bay Area Transformative Justice Collective called Pod Mapping. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what y'all, we're all doing this right now. This is our yeah. mini pod, but really it's like call all your people together so that you're not alone in action and so that you can actually aggregate your resources, your support, your energy, your gifts um, to do the healing work right around the collective grief. I think that we're all feeling, but also so that we can do um, the real time response work that's that's needed right now. And when I think about our pod, our particular pod, um, that's situated inside of wellness, right? Um, a, a, an industry that's predominantly contractor-based um, and that um, is is also really suffering. Nicole, I'm so inspired by what, um, like how you've mobilized <laughs> while some of us are stuck. <laughs> Nicole is mobilizing um, to actually put together a fund that can that can be responding not just to everyone because not everyone is having the same experience of this moment but to to the folks who are in most need and not only putting together a fund i know this is a global focus but i also wanted to just shout out 
you know, your other existing organization, Yoga Foster, right, has adapted and, and in real time adjusted to the very real changes that the schools are going through as well. Yeah. So you're holding that space um, at the same time. And yeah. so I wanted to shout that out too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's been a wild week. Um, and, you know, on the, on the reclamation ventures part, um, I feel like, you know, as a fund that's committed to investing and in making um, yoga and mindfulness and other forms of wellness more accessible and more equitable um, through capital, right? Like we come into this space through providing resources. When I think about um, us as an organization getting our people, it's talking to other people that have capacity, financial capacity, um, normally to be increasing representation and equity. But Carrie, like you said, this space right now needs support to keep these people in the space, to keep people that are working in this, that are most marginalized, that um, are the least likely to be seen and heard and respected to begin with, um, right. to keep them in business. So keep, you know, independent business owners, studios and spaces open and classes that support the vulnerable running and instructors who don't have um, money coming in, being able to pay their rent and input groceries in their fridge. So um, part of the reason we were able to mobilize so quickly is because we were already committed to offering more grants this year. Um, and so we shifted our business strategy um, to be able to support that and called our people, right? And, and had conversations about this is a space that we all believe in. And, um, you know, we have to elevate and center the people that are most marginalized and the most vulnerable at this time, it just, not just in our industry, but everywhere. Um, yeah, that feels like a really important point because especially in a moment where like everyone feels like they're universally having the same experience of like an infection like this, a virus like this. And yet we're not right based on our location, based on our life's experience, based on our proximity to access and healthcare and paid sick leave and maybe family income. Um, and, and I do think, and I'm not seeing people talk about this enough. I do think this moment is calling us to reckon with our, our, not just our position, but like our capacity to survive. Like, what do you what do you really need in this moment? I'm, I'm hearing some people talk to me about lost income, lost revenue. Um, obviously, that's a thing for a lot of people. But that's not the same as actually like not being able to pay your rent or not being able to keep the lights on in your studio um, or not being able to keep going, right? And I, I do think the concept of community care does actually require us to locate ourselves um, inside of the system and determine like, what do we have, right? Um, what do we need and who needs the most right now? And then what do we do, right, in response to that? Because I know for me, like, I don't, um, I'm scared for the next couple of months. Like, I have a lot of uncertainty, um, but I'm okay right now. You know what I mean? And so like, what can I do to contribute because of that? Even even despite the fact that I think we're all facing a shit ton of uncertainty and many, many months probably of economic insecurity, I still think we should all be asking ourselves, like, what can I give up? What can I contribute? What can I offer? Because there are people worse off than me right now with less security, less family, less savings. Um, anyway, so I just I just wanted to, like, put an exclamation point on that particular point because it that feels like 
something that everyone should be should be contemplating right now. So I'm wondering, like, what, Nicole, like, what, um, if, if folks want to respond, right, if folks, um, ha- you know, lean into that inquiry and, and actually determine that they can, they want to help and that they can um, give or that they can make a contribution, what do you recommend? Like, how can people show up for this fund? First and foremost, if you have the capacity to give, give to the fund. Give now if you can. Um, If you've already given and you have capacity, give again. I can't emphasize how important financial capacity can be, like you said, Carrie, for those that need it. Um, Another thing that you can do is take our survey. So we're also collecting data on the state of the yoga industry, for starters. We're going to go to other industries next. Um, But we're capturing data on the state of the industry so that we can create a report that quantitatively shows um, what's shifted in the past couple of months for so many people. So if you are a yoga instructor, go to reclamationventures.co, relief.reclamationventures.co, and take our survey. We've partnered with Set2 to collect that data and publish a report. And if Yeah, that's you- really helpful. And we'll provide all the links um, on this podcast for people to just click through. And obviously, if you're listening to this and you could use the financial support, please don't, uh, please apply um, for the, for the fund as well. Our goal is to deliver grants every Friday, uh, for the next few weeks and, um, persist as long as we can. And as long as we need to, um, because we don't know what the end date of this situation will be. Well, but we know that like, um, I'll just like, give some statistics. I think there's like something like 700,000 yoga teachers in the United States. And, um, I think it's safe to assume that majority of them, are um, contract workers, which means they don't have any job security. They don't have paid um, sick leave or paid family leave. Um, They probably don't have health insurance um, or or at least health insurance provided by their employer. Um, And so I just say that to give context to like, there's probably many hundreds of thousands of teachers in need. Um, And obviously there's an equity lens on this fund. Um, But the more people can give, the more you can continue to respond. Like, I don't think there will be enough money um, to respond to all of the needs, right? I just wanted to like say that. Um, So the more people can actually make a contribution, even if it's like 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Um, I'm also thinking about like the big industries in wellness that have profited and benefited from like a thriving teaching community, um, like apparel brands and um, yoga video, you know, platforms and... um, you know, retailers and and so on and so forth, right? That um, that are enormous companies with probably a much larger cash flow than any one individual teacher, right? Or studio, for that matter. Like, what contribution can they make um, uh, um, in the spirit of equity, right? Because they simply have more, and they have benefited, and they actually need yoga teachers and yoga studios to continue to thrive. Absolutely, I think that's a great call out too, because. You know, as as stores are you know closing their doors, um, there's kind of a bit of a like a, a boohoo moment there for companies and for retailers. Um, but as you pointed out, you know, the 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 equity conversation is is still unchanged, right? When you look at when you look at that disparity. Yeah, totally. And I just that too. You know, maybe companies need to actually also reckon with. Um, their role and their responsibility in this particular moment. Um, 
Yep. For the people that they use as, you know, influencers or for the people that are, you know, buying their products or for the, you know, for the teacher that wears whatever it is in the front of the room that is essentially keeping them afloat, right? What, what does that aid look like? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And so, so that, so yeah, this is make this, let's make this an official calling up (laughs) of all of the wellness companies out there. Um, we will not name you, but you'll be getting a call from us. <laughs> over if you haven't already. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to be asking you to step in and because there is a real need um, and because we actually need each other. I mean, that's the spirit of mutual aid and community care is that like companies need teachers, right? They need studios to survive. They need students um, to continue to be engaged. Um, and, and a lot of us need them. And so like what does mutuality look like in this moment where we all step in and play our part? Um, so I love that. So, so Nicole, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and I want to almost like zoom out for a moment because I feel like this is a great segue as we think about um, the inequities, right, that the coronavirus is exposing. It feels important to acknowledge that um, there are a lot of groups of people who are, are just much more vulnerable to this virus, either because of their immune system, right? So there's a lot of people um, who are biologically more immune, uh, more uh, vulnerable to this virus, but also because of their job or their function or their position in society. So I'm thinking about, of course, the elderly, um, uh, the disabled community, um, uh, immunocompromised folks. Um, but also I'm thinking about like service workers who don't have the the privilege of social distancing and staying home. And I mean like grocery store people, right? Delivery people, um, um, garbage men, right? Civil service workers. Um, and then certainly like folks on the front lines in hospitals and doctor's offices who are working like tirelessly and exposing themselves every second of the day um, to this virus. Uh, I'm thinking about the incarcerated population. I'm thinking about undocumented immigrants. Um, and there's obviously more. Um, and so like, what, what, is, what is the, the opportunity I think for pods or for community care circles to, to show up and, and respond, um, to, to those communities? Mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, there's a, there's, there's a, so many direct calls to action for each of them too. Um, and there's, and just to add to that as well, there's an org I was just coming across, Housing Justice for All, that is hosting calls yeah. um, to support um, rent suspensions. And I'm, you know, calling in from New York City, from New York City, and so I'm specifically thinking about a New York City rent yeah. happens to also be the epicenter of the pandemic right now. Um, and so it seems like it seems like an obvious call, and and you know. The cash handouts I was reading somewhere are analogous to basically um, a landlord bailout if we don't do rent suspension as well, right? Yeah. So um, yeah. there's some there's some direct calls to action to assembly members, to senators, um, to your representatives for that too, and that's for everyone. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. So there's like. Um, you know, I think frontline organizations are mo- obviously mobilizing to support and protect their people. And there's like so many um, amazing um, campaigns already out there. And to your point, calls um, and uh, mutual aid networks that are are responding in real time to um, 
to the needs of of those groups and also to your point like there's advocacy happening right because um state and government uh, and federal government can actually step in here um and provide resources and access and protection and security over the next couple months, especially for people um, who are more vulnerable in this particular moment. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing some Mm -hmm. politicians talking about that. You're seeing some um, talk about it, especially as Congress is is kind of debating um, uh, how to pass um, increased legislation, right? Um, um, To respond to COVID-19 and to stimulate um, the yeah. economy, and and of course, to your point, um, uh, that's looking a lot more like a Wall Street bailout than a people's bailout. Um, but but we'll see, right? Um, what comes of that? And so I, I just love that you said like it's a combination of how we respond um, on a local level, um, how we listen to frontline orgs and to what they need and to what they're requesting, but also how we actually fight for the systems that protect them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Totally. And we're already seeing, um, we're already seeing some folks in the system, folks who are incarcerated being released, uh, in New York city, not that many, you know, there's thousands of people in those jail systems, but there is a lot of public pressure. And I think that public pressure needs to stay and it needs to be harder, um, because 20 here, 20 there doesn't really cut it. Um, Jersey just let out a bunch of people, but I think that's one specific place where public pressure can go a long way. Yeah, and I also we had reports of ICE sort of intersecting um, uh, uh, undocumented folks at hospitals and just like just completely appalling mm-hmm. behavior by um, mm-hmm. ICE enforcement. And right. So I just think solidarity in the way in which you're naming, like how do we all um, come together collectively and actually put some real pressure on um uh, law enforcement, um, politicians, administrators, to make sure that they're doing the right thing to care for the people who often get forgotten or who are invisible or who slip through the cracks, um, mm-hmm. right? Like we should all be asking ourselves those questions. Like like who who is being left out, right? Who's missing in all of this legislation? Who's not getting the mutual aid that they need because you know they're not front and center or they don't have the loudest advocacy group? Um, who's next, like, what are the institutions that are nearby, um, and next door, right. That might be suffering in this moment. So we're going to provide some links also for, um, for folks, um, to provide mutual aid, but also to like sign petitions and advocate for some of the legislation, um, Mm -hmm. and, um, and support that, that different communities are, are, um, are demanding, um, Mm -hmm. rightfully so. Um, and the only other thing I wanted to like name is because, you know, you can't help but wonder what an election looks like in this <laughs> landscape of coronavirus, right? And like, how are the primaries going to continue? And how will people vote in the with social distance? I mean, we don't we just don't know where we're going to be in November. And yet the election goes on. Um, and one of the things that gives me hope is that um, I think that we're seeing the cost of not having um, policies of community care, of not having policies that give people the security and the support um, that they need and that they deserve, right? Like th- like we're getting a real-time, I think, um, lesson about what that world looks like when people don't have what they need to survive. And so I'm hoping that like this actually informs people. I'm hoping it inspires people, Um 
to think differently about what we need to be voting for and who we need to be voting in in November. Um, and I, I hope it, it really does expose the limitations, the gross limitations of this administration, given how wide reaching this virus is going to be um, and, and the need for something better. Like we deserve something better. There's a there's a frequently kind of stated call to let this moment radicalize you. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot, too, especially as I think about some of my um more centrist family and and people in the periphery of my community, right? And seeing their individual reactions where I often go to as a litmus test of what does what does the Central American attitude feel like right now? And it is, you know, that's making me hopeful is that in soft whispering ways, I see those people being radicalized more and more and more um, in only a week's time. Yeah. In just like you're saying, in the exposure in the in the in the visible exposure to all the inequities, I think I think that more and more people um, will will be left to look at it, you know, and have to make those decisions. I agree, and I think this is going to, in particular, like mobilize the youth, right? Like the young voters, the people that are getting involved in politics for the first time, who you know have a significant amount of the hourly wage jobs that are out there or used to be out there, who maybe, um, you know, if they are in college, they you know were kicked out of their dorms and sent home, and um, are entering maybe like more of the traditional workforce um, in this uncertain time. And so I particularly hope that we see a lot more young people getting active and engaged, not like they aren't already. I think there's just such a strong and powerful voice in this movement. Um, but I couldn't imagine going through this 10 years ago in a dorm room in New York oh City, God. seeing this happen and seeing this totally. unfold and not feeling like, um, I have a voice oh and I have God. an action to do in, in November. Yeah, I think that's right. And I do believe you're right. Like, I think a majority of young adults are hourly wage workers, part-time workers. Um, and um, yeah, and they're bearing the brunt, right, of, of layoffs and, and certainly um, no job security. And so, um, yeah, so maybe this is a wake-up call for people that like, um, that that, you know, the policies that we've been talking about and fighting for aren't just conceptual, right? Like they're not just ideas, they're real. Like they affect our lives, they affect our ability to pay our bills, they affect our ability to have access to healthcare. They're gonna affect our ability to live or die in this particular moment. Like that's just true. Um, people are gonna lose their lives because of because of systemic inequities, because they're being denied resources, um, because they have been forgotten or excluded. Like that's just fucking real. And so like, like one of the things I think we're thinking about is how do we organize around that? Like, how do we take mm -hmm. this consciousness about community care and mutual aid and collective care um, and this inquiry of how do we respond to take care of each other? How do we take that into politics? How do we take that into the 2020 election um, and, um, and turn over this White House, right? Um, so that like we're not in the same situation next year. So um, call to action for you all, <laughs> all of you people out there listening to our radio show here. Um, <laughs> um, um, 
organize a pod, organize a group of people that um, you know and love and trust um, so that you can be in community around how we respond in this moment. Um, And there are three really clear calls to action, right? One is the most immediate, which is real-time relief um, for people who need it most. And we're going to be giving you all the links to supporting uh, the Reclamation Ventures Relief Fund um, so that you can you can really help support um, a lot of the, the wellness instructors and the wellness studios who are suffering right now. Um, the second call to action is to, to get your pod into solidarity with some of the more vulnerable groups. And so we'll circulate some links um, uh, to petitions and to fundraising campaigns and to ally groups um, um, that were initiated by frontline organizations so that you can um, so that y'all can like collectively decide how you want to help advocate and help respond uh, to the different needs of different groups. And then certainly um, um, there's a call to action around how we organize politically. Um, we're seeing a really big piece of legislation move through Congress right now that's going to affect a lot of people and determine their ability to survive the next couple months economically, if not physically. Um, and so um, that's just one example of how like the political and the meta, the big systemic really matters. It really impacts everyone and all of us. It's going to make or break um, the lives of certain people. Um, and we should certainly also be thinking about how we can parlay that into um, election mobilization, right? Like, I really want to imagine a politics of community care in the 2020 election, like policies of community care, care policies that we know that we need now and that we can start to be more articulate and literate about as we start to, to engage one another in our vote this fall. So before we adjourn, any last words, y'all, like any last words of wisdom to how um, we navigate this moment, to how we heal together, to how we take action together? I just want to thank both of you um, for all of your support for some of the work that I'm doing. Um, you've both been so supportive with the fund um, and, and getting that that stuff out. Carrie, you've been like answering all of my random text messages <laughs> that I send. And with Yoga Foster, Ryan, like you jumped at the opportunity or challenge, <laughs> more like challenge of relaunching our website in like three days. So I really, I can't thank both of you enough. And I think I, that's what I'm really learning on, uh, learning and trying to embrace right now is leaning on my people as much as I can to make the stuff happen, whether it's through work or processing emotions or um, getting the strength to get out of bed in the morning. So I just want to thank you both for being there for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I think I would just take it back to this idea of refuge and detail it further and kind of dig into the idea of refuge further that, you know, it's a place for you to go and it's a place um, or a thing for you to have and find or a space or a person for you to lean into um, until it's you creating the refuge, you know, for somebody else or for Mm. another group. And so I think that for me, at least, leaning into the idea of refuge as something super multidimensional allows me to contextualize the balance of how do I take care of myself and how then do I become this same word, this same idea um, for for those who really need it. You know, um, I think that's how I would end it. Mm, I love that, and I think it speaks to the idea of mutuality, right? That like mutuality includes us. 
right? It includes the refuge that we create mm-hmm. for ourselves and how we take care of ourselves. Like we get to be included in that, but it also understands that like we're interdependent, like we're interconnected, right? Um, and that we help ourselves more so than ever other. more so than ever right that's mm-hmm. exactly right um so thank you all for being here and for being a part of this and for being in conversation and for showing up thanks carrie thank thanks you. nicole appreciate thank you nicole. both thanks, While this podcast is coming to an end, our work in the world is just beginning. This week's call to action is all about community care. First, you can download our coronavirus community care guide at citizenwell.org to stay up to date and engaged. Second, you can provide real-time relief to those who are most vulnerable. Donate to the relief fund at reclamationventures.co, which will go directly to providing lost income for underestimated wellness leaders. Lastly, you can organize your community into a pod or a circle around a culture and politics of community care that ensures that everyone has the healthcare and economic protections that they need to thrive. Sign up at citizenwell.org. Special thanks to DJ Drez for the amazing soundtrack. You can check out his music at djdrez.com. And to our executive producer, who puts it all together and makes it sound great, Trevor Exter. And thank you for being here today. You can stay in the know and engaged by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter, Well Read, at citizenwell.org. Citizen Podcast is community-inspired and crowdsourced. That's how we keep it real. Join our community on Patreon for as little as $2 per month so that we can keep doing the work of curating content that matters for citizens who care. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. And share the love, y'all, by telling your friends to check us out. Thank you.